Hello and welcome to the podcast on Broadwater Parish in Worthing, a thriving Anglican church based in the parish of Broadwater, West Sussex in Worthing. We are one church across three sites and Christians have worshipped for over a thousand years at our church at St Mary's. This podcast features sermons from our services and interviews and other episodes and you can find out more by going to broadwaterparish.org.uk. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy this most recent episode of the podcast. Our reading um, today is from Ruth and it's the whole of chapter 3 and it's on page 269 following your Bible. One day Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find you to find a home for you where you will be provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you've been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor and don't let him know that you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask, all my fellow townsmen, Know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until the morning. And so she lay at his feet until the morning but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, Bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her, and then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi said, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything that Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, 
until you find out what will happen. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Well, good morning. It's great to be here this morning. And um, let's just pray after that reading. Father, we thank you for your word, for the beauty of it, that every part of um, your Bible can have an impact on our lives. And we ask, Lord, this morning that we'd know more about your love for us through this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it was lovely last week to welcome Bishop Ruth. I hope uh, you were able to be here. If you weren't, you can always watch it online. Uh, It was a very important service on uh, the, it was the Church of England's Racial Awareness Week. And so do watch that if you wanted to. Um, it's been a busy week, hasn't it? There's been a, um, a dementia hub on the Monday. There was Pancake Day here. On the Tuesday, the church was full, and pancakes were flying everywhere, as you can imagine. And um, then Ash Wednesday, more seriously, it's Ash Wednesday. It was the start of Lent. And Lent runs this year from the 14th of February, so it's Valentine's Day, right through to the 28th of March. It's that season, Lent, where we remember all that Jesus did. Jesus was fasting in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. I'm not suggesting we do that. Don't worry. Don't don't think that. But it could be that you may decide to give up something or take up something. That's entirely up to you. And I, I know a number of Christians do do that. Some stop eating chocolate so they can't wait to get those Easter eggs uh, when it's over. And some stop doing other things. It's entirely up to you. You know what but you want to do between you and God. But a Lenten period and that, that giving up of something um, reminds us of what Jesus did for us. He, didn't res- he did not give in to those temptations that were there. Do join us. We're going to be running a Lent course at St. Stephen's once a week. Do join us at that, and we can hopefully discover this Lenten period together. But we're now back in the book of Ruth, and that very interesting passage, if you're awake and paying attention to that passage, do keep your Bibles open or have it on your phones if you want to, because I'm going to be referring back to it. And, we, and I'm just going to recap the book of Ruth, because so, it was a few weeks ago when we were at it. Naomi in chapter 1, and her husband and two sons, what do they do? They leave the promised land, they, they leave Bethlehem, they go to Moab because there's a famine. And Andrew was preaching on those few verses. And of course, the husband dies, the son marries, the sons marry, and then the sons dies. And as Andrew said, all the men died. And it didn't look like there was much hope. But then verse 7, I think it was Mick preached on that, we, we had Naomi coming to her senses. In chapter 1, verse 7, if you've got that, with her two daughters-in-law, Naomi left the place where she had been living and set back on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. They're going back to where they know the right place to be. A bit like Sam coming back to being in the right place where he's meant to be, hopefully. But the main lesson there is that when we come to the end of ourselves, we seek God. And it might be for some of us, we've had to do that. Maybe over this Lenten period, we may seek God. Then chapter 2, back in Bethlehem, Naomi seems to be at the end of herself. She's a bit like a female Job, and it seems that God has abandoned her. So Ruth 
being ever so practical. She goes out to work to help them survive, taking on the most menial of tasks. She's picking up grain that others have left behind. And perchance, remember that, that term we had that it was on, it was just so happened she was in Boaz's field. A God incidence. And suddenly there's light and there's a bit of hope. And the lesson there, I believe, in chapter 2 is that God is in the detail of our lives. Now we come to chapter 3. It's a bit saucy, this one, isn't it? What is going on here? Uh, Ruth and Boaz are obviously getting along quite well. And I think mother-in-law seems to know best and thinks, I need to speed things up a bit. It's all going a bit too slow for Naomi. If you look at chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her daughter-in-law, My daughter, I must find a home for you. She means a husband, doesn't she? Where you'll be well provided for. Dot, dot, dot. Boaz, isn't it? Now, for Naomi at this part, what she's done is she's come back to God. That verse 7 in chapter 1. She's come to her senses. She's come back to God, to the promised land. She's remembering God's provision and God's love. And that provision is even included in those laws that they have, those Old Testament laws, which obviously Jesus came that we don't need to live under that law. But at that time, they were still living under the Lord. She knows that widows are protective. And that God's law also ensures that families continue. She knows there's hope. She said in verse uh, 20 of chapter 2, when she hears um, which field uh, Ruth had been um, working in, she says, that man, Boaz, is our close relative. He's one of our guardian redeemers. And I'll explain a bit more about that in a minute, what a guardian redeemer is. But it's really to do with this law. And it's in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, in Leviticus. And it's called, I'll get this right, Levirate Marriage Law. L-E-V-I-R-A-T-E. Levirate Marriage Law. The principle being that when a younger widow is left behind, her husband's died, then a brother or some other uh, male figure in the family would marry her so that the, the line will continue, that she's not left alone. It's interesting, we see in the New Testament the Sadducees testing Jesus on this particular law. In uh, Matthew um, 22, um, from verse 23, the Sadducees are testing Jesus, and they give an example to Jesus. They say, look, imagine uh, a a young woman dies, she's married to her husband, and then he dies. What does he do? Well, he marries the brother, doesn't he? Next one down. But actually, in this case, there's seven brothers. So she marries all these brothers. Goodness knows what goes on in those, those days. But she marries all these brothers. Who will she be married to in heaven at the resurrection? Of course, it's just a trick. They're trying to uh, uh, trick Jesus with the law. Jesus isn't fooled or tricked by that, and neither should we be. Boaz is a relative, uh, a, a guardian redeemer for Naomi and Ruth. An obvious choice, really, for Ruth to marry. But, and Naomi, the wisely mother-in-law, sees this. I remember meeting Susie's mum for the first time. She grabbed me both. I didn't think she was going to let go. I think she saw this is someone that Susie will marry. Maybe mothers can see that. Naomi knows that Boaz won't rest until this issue is resolved. He says at the end, Ruth has caught his eye. 
But according to Naomi, things aren't going along quickly enough. She wants a bit more action. So there's this daring act. And it says sometime later, Naomi takes matters into her own hands. Look at me at verses 3 and 4 of chapter 3. I don't know if that can come up on the screen. Forget that screen. Wash. Uh, Ruth, the, Ruth has been told what to do by Naomi. She says, wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him, Boaz, know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. And when Boaz lies down, note the place where he's lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. One of the most bizarre pieces of scripture you'd ever read, isn't it? Yes. Basically go and tart yourself up a bit, put on your best clothes, and go and lie by his feet. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a bit squeamish about feet. And I've, I'm, Susie discovered this very early on in our relationship. We went on a date quite early on to a Monday Thursday service. Do you remember that? It's exciting stuff. Susie knew she was on to a winner. We went to a Monday Thursday service, and we didn't know each other terribly well. Oh, and then we, they, um, it was at St. James the Less, and we had to do this feet washing, of course. I'd forgotten that. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I can't bear this. And, of course, the thing is, we then thought we'll wash each other's feet, of course. And I just can't stop laughing the minute someone's touched my feet. So at this really somber service, I was crying with laughter. Not very helpful. I think Susie realized that I was a bit lost. And surprised probably became a vicar. But feet are an odd thing. And of course, in those days, their feet would, they, you know, their feet would have been fairly different to our well-kept, manicured feet that are hidden under socks. And of course, there's this big question here, and it's my many commentators, is, is there some sexual overtones here? Yes, I said that on a Sunday morning. Is it a euthanism in the Bible? Is it some sort of code for what's going on? It's not clear, actually. I think feet are just feet, and I, it, although it seems odd, I think the reality is Ruth and um, Boaz were fairly, um, fairly good people. I don't think they'd have done much more than, than you read about, because, in fact, we'll read, it comes on later when it's quite clear what they are doing. She comes to him at the threshing floor. The threshing floor is the place where the men would have been at night to protect all the harvest that have been lying there to protect the harvest from thieves and robbers and animals and things. And what does she do? She lies down beside, she uncovers part of his body, his feet, and she spends the night there. But I don't think there's any sexual things going on here because of their integrity. And in fact, it says, it tells us in chapter 4, verse 13, which we'll be looking at next week, so Boaz took Ruth and became his wife, and, when he made, and then he made love to her. Then the Lord enabled them to conceive. So when the Bible wants you to know what's going on, it's pretty clear. This is just about her obviously trying to entice him. The important issue, though, the real issue is the boldness she decided to take on uh, Ruth's part. When Naomi said, go and uncover his feet, she does choose to do that. Now, we're told Boaz wakes up in surprise, wouldn't you be, to discover someone lying at his feet. And this is Ruth, though. What's interesting is, it's, listen to this in chapter 3, verse 9. Although um, Naomi had said to Ruth, he will tell you what to do, Watch this in, in verse 9. Boaz says, who are you? She says, I'm Ruth. 
Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you're my God and redeemer of our family. To spread the cloak, to marry her. So Ruth is actually taking control. She's telling him what to do. Is it a leap year? It's like she's asking him to marry her. And she calls him to fulfill his duty as a guardian redeemer. Or the, the, the word there, goel, G-O-E-L, which is a close male relative who has the duty, as I talked about earlier, to marry this widow, this young widow. Now, he promises, Boaz promises he'll do all that she said, and he's, he said, I'll be faithful to that. Interestingly, note, though, um, she has to leave before anyone else sees what's going on. It is interesting, a bit of, bit of um, sleight of hand there. But no, Boaz promises to be faithful, as Ruth has been faithful to Naomi, and as God is faithful to all of them. And the Bible is filled with promises about God's faithfulness to us. There's a couple of verses that I hope will come up. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 13, it says, If we are faithless, God is still yet faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And then Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandments to a thousand generations. There are hundreds and hundreds of verses about God's faithfulness in the Bible. Google it. Look at concordance. Look at the commentaries. God is faithful in all things. And sometimes we don't see this in our lives. Sometimes we imagine God has abandoned us somehow, a bit like Naomi felt at the beginning of chapter 2. We think God's forgotten us. And yet God is faithful. God never deserts us, never abandons us, never leaves us. And sometimes we, we depend on our own feelings rather than trusting in God's word. In the Bible. And I said a few weeks ago, it'd be really important to remember some of these verses. Get them uh, on your computer, get them printed out somewhere as a reminder that in the bad days, God loves us and never abandons us. How does Boaz respond? In verse 10, uh, he says, The Lord bless you, my daughter. The kindness, this kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. I will do all that you've asked. And it seems that Ruth has chosen well. He may have been older, but she's chosen well. This is a wise choice. If you look at the end of um, chapter 4, there's a genealogy there, a long genealogy from verse 18, uh, which takes you including Boaz, right through to David. And then if you know the New Testament, it then takes you from David through to Jesus. So Boaz is an incredibly important person in the lineage of Jesus. So Ruth has chosen well. The story now in chapter 3 is filled with hope. And Naomi, it would seem, has found a husband for her daughter-in-law. She's found someone who will provide a home for Ruth. But it hasn't been easy. And, of course, this chapter's um, very short. Like the whole book is short. But it, the reality is it's not been easy. But like the Christian life for us, it isn't always easy. 
And sometimes we have to have faith that God is at work in our lives. Sometimes we have to make decisions. We have to take action. I'm not suggesting you go and lie at someone's feet. But we do have to take action, maybe a risky thing to do, that will put us in a place where we begin to trust God and in the cross. And I would hope that in this time of Lent, over these next 30, 40 days, leading up to, the, to Maundy Thursday, we can spend time in God's word, time with God, seeking God and asking him to show us what does he want us to do, show us how much he loves us. Of course, the reality is we can never know exactly what God's doing in our lives. We can with wisdom and hindsight. But for some of us, it's hard. Some of us may need to take risks. I know we're talking with Ruth. You're taking a risk going back to where you're going. But that's a God risk, I believe, because you're trusting God in this. And I mentioned a few weeks ago that past that verse um, in Romans 8, 28, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, God will work for our good. So whatever your circumstances are at the moment, wherever you're at this morning, whatever's going on in your life, God is at work. Whatever's happened in this last week, God is at work. The main message in this book is about God loving us and God being in the detail. The book of Ruth was a book of promise for the Israelites, and I believe it can be for us too. Christian life isn't always straightforward or easy or simple, but it's rewarding in the long term. And God will show you what he's calling you to do. We're going to pray together. The band are going to come up. Let's stand, and let's just spend a moment praying. God, I thank you that you are in the detail of our lives. Thank you, Lord, for that promise in Romans 8, 28, that in all things you work for the good of those who love you. And, Father, we choose to believe you have the best for us today. Ask, Father, that you'd give each person here hope this morning, hope that our lives can be transformed through the cross of Jesus. I pray that in this Lent season, we will go deeper with you, Lord. And wherever we're at this morning, whatever's been going on in these last few weeks, you would give us hope today. In the name of Jesus, amen.